0: I'm going to tell you, uh, I thank God for our praise team, amen? Um, God speaks through them, God uses them, and I know you don't see it, but um, these guys and these ladies, um, they spend lots of time uh, praying together, uh, working together, they, they, they work as individuals as they sing these songs and learn these songs, and uh, they learn the chords and the music, and uh, I'm amazed each Sunday of how God just... Uses them and flows through them, and I thank God for Shane stepping up. And uh, I love the fact that uh, when Brother Andy is out, we we just we don't miss a beat. We just keep on moving. And boy, he he started this off good with "I thank God." That's a, again one of my favorite praise songs, and it just it just goes with the message today. It just goes with the message. So hopefully you're already there, but we're going to be in Ruth chapter two so go ahead and turn to Ruth chapter 2. We're going to be in the passage uh, that begins in verse 14 and goes all the way through the end of chapter 2, verse 23. But before we get there, I want to ask you a question. And uh, Man, this question, we we could spend a lot of time answering it. But the question is simply this. What are some words we can use to describe our awesome and sovereign God? Just some words that we can use. You're already thinking of some words and you probably just want to shout them out. Uh, And you can do that if you want to, uh, or you can shout it out in your heart. Uh, I I think of a lot of words, right, that I could use to describe my awesome and my sovereign God. As a matter of fact, uh, we could probably collectively fill up page after page after page, book after book after book with, with some of the beautiful and powerful words to describe our sovereign God. And guess what? No matter how many pages we fill up, no matter matter how many books we fill up, we would still end up short, wouldn't we? I just don't know that we have a vocabulary that can contain all of the good and perfect words to describe our God. But let me start with the best word. Love. Love. The beloved disciple John tells us in 1 John 4, verse 8 that God is love. He keeps going. And he tells us in 1 John 4, verse 16, once again, that God is love. Notice he's not using the word love to define God, right? It's God who defines the word love. Do you see that? He's not saying love is the word that defines God. He's saying God defines love. He even says that God is love. Dr. David Jeremiah says it this way. He says God is not just loving. God is love. All that anyone knows about real, true love love is rooted in the character and the nature of sovereign God who is the origin, the originator, and the orchestrator of love. So when we think about words that we can use to describe our great God, almighty God, sovereign God, love is where we have to start. It's the the foundation, really. Love is the the right place to start. And in Ruth chapter 2, especially this passage we're looking at today, verses 14 through 23, we will see that from the fountain, from the fountain of God's love, flows His generosity and kindness. I'm really going to focus on those two words today. Generosity and kindness. Because everything God does, it flows from His love, and from His love flows generosity and kindness. We're going to see it today in Ruth. So I want you to jump right in there with me. Ruth chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 14, and we'll go through 18. The Bible says, At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. And she ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and do not reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and do not rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. So again, God is love, right? God is love, and from the fountain of His love flows generosity and kindness, and that's what we see right here. We see God's generosity to Ruth through Boaz. Not only did Boaz invite her, did you see this? Not only did he invite her with the, with the phrase, come over here, not only did he invite her to the table, but he invited her to get close to him. Right? Do you see that? It's not just an invitation to sit at my table. It's an invitation to sit close to me at my table. Right? Come over here. He didn't just give her bread. He gave her bread and invited her to dip it into the wine vinegar. Do you see that? And did it stop there? No, it didn't stop there. Guess what else he did? He offered her some of the roasted grain. Understand what's happening here. He was not treating her as a guest. He was treating her as family. That's what he was doing. Bringing her in to his table. Bringing her in close to him. Giving her the bread, but also giving her the wine vinegar. Giving her the roasted grain. And after this incredible and generous offering, wouldn't you call that a generous offering? It kind of reminded me of last night. I, I told somebody last night, I think it was Brother Fred, I, I, I said, these plates aren't big enough. You remember? Right? These plates aren't big enough, right? They, they, they spread out all this food and then they give us these little styrofoam plates that are about this big. So I'm going to have to work on that. We're going to have to go find some bigger plates, right? That table was filled with food. And, and so I was already thinking last night about how good God is about his love for us and about his generosity and kindness. And, and we see that right here in the book of Ruth. But even after, right, this incredible and generous offering in his home, at his table, his generosity keeps going. Because what did he do? He made sure that his workers allowed Ruth to work in an environment, look at this, to work in an environment Without the possibility of physical abuse or verbal abuse. Do you see this? He's telling his workers, right? She is no longer a foreigner. She is no longer someone that's out there. She is in here. And because she is in here, she will be treated as such. What an incredible and generous offering! That Boaz is making to her. He even told them to do what? Not just let her glean. He said, hey, when you're harvesting, take out some of the good stalks, right? Some of the choice stalks, because that's what they would bundle up. He said, take some of those out and leave them for her. In other words, she ain't just getting the leftovers. She's getting the prime, right? I'm going to tell you what this is. This is generosity, Right, This is generosity from God that flows through Boaz, his servant. After she had took the barley and threshed it, it was a generous amount. The Bible calls it an epa. Do you know what an ephah is? An ephah is a weight of measurement. And it would have been 22 to 30 pounds worth of grain, of barley. That's how much she would have had. That was an enormous amount for one person to take away. And so what we're seeing here is we're seeing the incredible generosity, the incredible generosity to Ruth from God through Boaz. I want to talk about that word generosity in the Hebrew language. You see, the Hebrew word for generosity is from the word hanan, which means to have mercy To take pity or to show compassion. Think about that for just a minute. The word generosity is where we get our words mercy, pity, and compassion. This reminds me of another passage of scripture. You don't have to turn there, just listen. It reminds me of another passage of scripture when when Paul, the old man Paul, was creeping up in years and he was preaching to the churches and teaching the churches. He also had a young companion named Timothy. And he loved Timothy as a son. Listen to what he told Timothy at the end of his letter, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17-19. through 19. Paul said this to young Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but rather put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Verse 18, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and here it is, to be generous. Do you see what Paul tells John Timothy? Command them to be generous with what they have and willing to share with others. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Isn't that good? What we see in the Old Testament is we see the love of God, and from the love of God flows His generosity. And we even see it in the New Testament, right? We see it in the New Testament. Paul encourages young Timothy, take this love of God and the message of God you have and command those who are rich in this world not to be arrogant because they're rich, not to think highly of themselves, but rather take what God has given them and be willing to do what? To share with others. Generosity. Generosity. In other words, see people and talk to people and touch people with mercy. Make pity, right? Look upon people and have compassion on them because of where they are. Those who have less, don't look down on them and say, well, I wonder why they're there. Wonder how they got there. Don't do what the Pharisees did and say, well, he's a sinner and she's a sinner. He's getting what he deserves and she's getting what he deserves. Church, we need to hear that, don't we? We need to be careful about casting judgment and condemnation upon somebody. Because nowhere in Scripture do I see that we are to cast judgment and condemnation upon anyone outside. I don't see that. Now, we've talked about judgment in the church. And if you missed that, you can go back and listen to my series on 1 Corinthians on Sunday nights. But when it comes, right, when it comes to people and the way we look at them, we got to look at them through the lenses of God's love. And from the fountain of God's love flows His generosity. We need to be people of generosity, not people of judgment and condemnation. From the fountain of God's love comes His generosity. How dare me look down on anybody? When God looks upon me with mercy. When God takes pity upon me because of where I am. When God shows compassion to me. When God is kind to me. I could never earn God's love. Never. I could never serve Him. I can't preach enough messages. I can't preach enough years to ever earn not even a single drop of God's love, much less His generosity. But as we've already sang this morning, it's about who He is. Right? It's about who He is. It's about Jesus Christ. He is He is the demonstration of God's love to us even while, even while we're still sinners, right? And that's not my words. That's God's word. Romans chapter 5. Even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. At our filthiest. At our worst. at At our most rebellious place and stage. Christ still died for you. And Christ still died for me. So how dare I ever, how dare I ever look down on anyone at any time, whether I'm the pastor or the layperson, whether I'm in the church building or outside the church building, how dare I ever look down on anyone? How dare I? Not when my God looks at me and says, I love you, son. We could stop and have invitation right now, can't we? But I don't want to stop with his generosity. I want to talk about his kindness. Ruth chapter 2 verse 19. We've been talking a lot about Ruth, haven't we? Been talking a lot about Boaz. Let's not forget Naomi, right? Who turned. Who turned from Moab. Who turned, right? To God. Don't forget. Ruth returned. Not just to Bethlehem. Not just to Judah, she returned to God. But she returned to God struggling, didn't she? She was struggling. Remember what she told her friends? When, I, well, her so called friends. <laughs> when she came back, they said, Can this be Mara? And look, they weren't being nice about it. They were, going, they were saying, What is she doing back here? She left us. She turned her back on us. She turned her back on God. Is this this Naomi? And Naomi said, no, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Remember what Naomi means? It means sweetness. It means pleasant. She said, don't call me that anymore. Call me Mara. Right? You remember we talked about this last week. She went through a little identity crisis phase. She said, don't call me pleasant. Don't call me sweetness. Call me bitter. Call me Mara. That's what Mara means. But here's the thing. Even in the midst of her pain, Even in the midst of her heartbreak, even in the midst of this identity crisis, where was she? She was pointed to God. She was taking steps to get back to God. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, God, just like in that prodigal son story, he was waiting on her, wasn't he? Oh, he met her where she was, right in the midst of her doubts and her confusion and her pain and her hurt. And he wrapped his arms around her. Why do I know that? Because I read this passage. I read this passage. Look at this. Verse 19, her mother-in-law, talking about Naomi, asked her, where did you glean today? Why do you think she asked that? Because Ruth walked up in there with a big old bag full of barley, right? I mean, way more than she could have just gleaned. No, she harvested. So she said, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Look at what she says. Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. And here it is. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. Look at verse 20. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. Look at this proclamation, right? This proclamation of faith and this proclamation of truth. Here it is. He has not stopped... Let me just go ahead and let me stop right now before we go any further, right? What did Naomi think in her mind and what was she tempted to think, right, all this time that God took his hand, right, and his blessing off of me? Remember what she said in Ruth chapter one? God has afflicted me with what? Misfortune. That's what she was thinking. That's what she was feeling, right? But look at what she knows. Look at the proclamation. She says the Lord has not stopped, right? He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. And she added, that man is our close relative. He is our guardian redeemer. Ooh, one of our guardian redeemers. Some versions say kinsman redeemers. Now I'm going to tell you, we're going to be preaching about that in the next couple of weeks. Because that's what this whole book is about. But I'm going to chase that rabbit later. Okay. Let's talk about God's kindness. Verse 21. Then Ruth the Moabite said. He even said to me. Stay with my workers. Until they finish harvesting all my grain. And Naomi said to Ruth her daughter-in-law. It will be good for you my daughter. To go with the women who work for him. Because in someone else's field. You might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished and she lived with her mother-in-law. So not only do we see God's generosity to Ruth through Boaz, now we see God's kindness to Ruth through Boaz. Boaz did not treat Ruth as a foreigner or as someone who was beneath him or someone who was not worthy, right? Worthy to be in this place And at this time, and again, church, we need to be careful of that. We need to be careful because we ain't supposed to be slapping labels on anybody. This one's worthy, this one's not. Let's do this for this one, but let's not do that one for that one. We need to be real careful with labels. Because God's the only one that has a right to label me. Not even my wife. Or my kids can tell me who I am. My God tells me who I am. And that's settled. That's settled. No one in this place has a right to tell me who I am. And guess what? I'm not going to struggle with that. Because I made up my mind that my God is right. And my God is good. And my God is love. And whatever He says to me and about me is it. And the more I tell myself that every day, and the more I walk in that every day, That whole identity crisis thing is not near as powerful in my life. How many people today? How many people in this room, right? You struggle with your identity because you're trying to to make this one think better of you. Are you trying to make that one think better of you? Are you trying to put on the right clothes and the right face so that this one can say good things to you and about you? And this one can say good things to you and about you. Listen to me. The enemy wants you to keep doing that. He wants you to keep struggling and fighting for the approval of man and not be focused on the approval of God that he's already given you through Jesus Christ. So church, help us, right? Let's help help each other and pray God help us not to slap labels on nobody. Help us, God, to be vessels of your love, your generosity, and your kindness to anybody and everybody you put in front of us. That's my prayer. And I ain't going to stop preaching that, by the way. He didn't treat her as a foreigner. He didn't treat her. He didn't treat her as an outcast. He treated her as one of his own. He treated her with kindness. That word kindness, you know what it means in the Hebrew? Oh, this is so good. The Hebrew word for kindness is from the word hesed. That's a very important and very much used word in the Bible. Hesed. Hesed means, listen to this. You want to talk about describing God? This is what hesed means. It means unfailing love. It means loyal love. It means devoted love. That's what kindness means. When you show kindness, it is unfailing love. It is loyal love. It is devoted love. And listen, when I think about God's kindness, when I think about hesed, right, this is what I think of, Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9, listen to this. Verses 23 and 24, this is what the Lord says. I love love it when the Bible says that. This is what the Lord says. Not what man says. This is what the Lord says. Verse 23 begins. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me that I am the Lord. And here it is. Who exercises kindness. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That they have the understanding to know me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness. And he goes on to say justice and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight. Let me ask you a question. And 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 this is a right or wrong answer. Do you think the Lord delights in you being kind or you being judgmental? There's a right answer. And I hope that you are leaning and jumping headfirst into the kindness answer. Because what does this say? Right here. What does it say? I'll read it again. The Lord, right? I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness. For in these I, what's the word? Delight. I'm going to tell you something. I want to be a delight to God. And one way I can be a delight to Him is to do what the Lord does, and that is exercise kindness. Exercise kindness. What is kindness again? It is hesed. It is unfailing love. It is loyal love. It is devoted love. That's what it is. And so, because of the generosity, because of the kindness that God pours out on Ruth through Boaz, guess who gets to be, guess who gets to be bathed in it? Naomi. Do you see that? Naomi gets to be bathed in the generosity of God and the kindness of God that has been poured out to Ruth through Boaz. As a matter of fact, I I, want to, I want to point you to some very important truths. we're We're going to see some important truths about Ruth and about Naomi, and we're going to see a very important truth about sovereign God. So first of all, in this passage, we see important truths from both Ruth and Naomi. I want you to see this. This is so important. We see that Ruth received God's generosity and kindness from Boaz. Listen to me. I believe there's people here today... God has been pouring out generosity and kindness to you, but you have not yet received it. You've not yet received it into your heart and into your life. And because you have not received it into your own heart and life, you can't give it to anybody else. Do you want to know when we struggle at being judgmental and condemning and looking down on other people, do you want to know what our heart is filled with it's filled with bitterness and anger. Bitterness and anger is what chokes out thankfulness. Bitterness and anger is what chokes out love. And what flows from love? Generosity and kindness. God's grace was available to Ruth in this place, at this time, through this person named Boaz. Yet Ruth, look at, what, look at this. Ruth had to actually receive it. She had to embrace it. In order for it to be effective in her life. Do you understand what I'm saying? He, he said, come over here. Did he, did he grab her and push her down at the table? No, it was an invitation. Hey Ruth, you're, you're welcome here. Not only are you welcome here, I want you to come over here. And sit at my table and sit close to me. Hey Ruth, I've got some bread for you. I've even got some wine vinegar. Hey Ruth, I've got some roasted grain for you. It's kind of like that wild game supper last night. That table, that, that table was full of food, and the invitation was, "Hey y'all, come eat." I saw a couple of people sitting down, and they didn't come to the table to eat. And I tried not to be judgmental, but I I, I looked and I was like, "What is wrong with them?" And then I stopped, and I was like, well, you know, they heard the invitation. They just chose not to receive it and embrace it. you see where I'm going here? In order for God's love and generosity and His kindness, which was all wrapped up in this big ball of grace, in order for it to actually be effective in Ruth's life, she had to embrace it. She had to receive it. And the reason I know that she received it is because it said she got up from that table full, right? Not only full, she got up from that table with leftovers. But did she immediately go home? No, sir. She went out in the field and started working. Huh? She didn't just sit down and say, oh, God bless me. I'm going to sit right here and wait for you to bless me. Hey, God, where you at? I'm waiting. No, she got up and she went out in the field where God's blessing was waiting on her. And she, she worked. It said she, she worked. She picked it up. She threshed it. And, whoo, man. Not only did she receive it, she became a funnel of it, didn't she? She became a vessel of it. His grace never runs out. I'm just telling you. It never runs out. His grace never runs dry. His grace never spoils. It never fades. Yet you and I, in order for it to be effective in our lives, we have to receive it. And we have to exercise it. I love that. We have to exercise God's grace so it will be effective not just in us, but in those we come in contact with. We can be like Ruth. We can be vessels of God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, God's generosity, God's kindness. Ruth, she took what God gave her and she poured it out at Naomi's feet. Did you see that? Look, Naomi. Look. Another important truth we see right here, and I want to make sure you get this because I believe there's a lot of Christians struggling with this. We not only see that Ruth, right? We, we not only see that she received God's generosity and kindness. But here's what I want you to see. We see that Ruth worked from. Ruth worked from God's grace and not for it. That, that's not a trick statement. Please look at it. She worked from God's grace and Not for it. She didn't go out in that field and say, oh, i got to work harder to get more of this. That was not. That was not what she did. I'm telling you, Ruth didn't just sit on the ground or go back home and say, well, God's going to do this, so I'll just sit here and wait on it. No, no, no. God poured out His grace to her and for her. She embraced it, and then she exercised it. And then she gave it away. Listen, We don't deserve God's grace. We could never deserve it. We could never earn God's grace. It is His generous and kind gift to us. And we don't work for it. We work from it. So many people today, they believe that what's happening in their life is because God is pleased with what they're doing or God is displeased in what they're doing. And so God is just like throwing things at them based on their efforts. Now, don't get me wrong. Sin is sin. And we're going to face the consequences of sin. And sin must be punished. It it must be punished. But don't think that God's sitting up there just throwing stuff at you because of you. Listen, go to God. The Holy Spirit of God will not only stir you so that you can understand what God is saying to you in his word, the Holy Spirit of God will convict you of your sin and turn you, right? Lead you to repentance. In other words, you don't have to stay in this guilt, shame-filled place. You can get up from this guilt and shame-filled place and go to God and guess what God will do. do you want me to quote the scripture for you, First John chapter 1? God says, if you will confess your sin, he is what? Faithful and what? Just. You remember Jeremiah? I just read it to you. The Lord exercises what? Kindness and justice and righteousness. And he is pleased to do it. If you will confess your sin before God, he is faithful and just and will forgive you. Right? Of all unrighteousness. And he will purify you. He will cleanse you. And so we see right here that, that Ruth was not working for more of God's grace She was working from God's grace. And because she was receiving it and exercising it, God was multiplying it. Not so that she could be a bottle with a cap on it. Right? Not so she could be a bottle with a cap on it and just use it whenever she wanted to, whenever she was feeling bad. No, so that she could be a funnel of it. So that she could be a vessel of it. That's what God does. And what we see here, look at the result. We see that Naomi Praised God. What, what has she been doing for a long time? She's been saying, my name is Mara. I'm bitter. Poor pitiful me. I'm afflicted. God has done nothing but brought, bring misfortune upon me. And, but look what happens now. Because of a Moabite woman. Who also turned. Repented. And claimed God was her guide and said, I pray to the Lord and use the word Yahweh, which means covenant relationship because of a Moabite woman in the early stages of her salvation is receiving God's grace and exercising God's grace. Look at the result it has upon Naomi. Naomi praised God for the generosity and the kindness that was coming from Boaz. Maybe for the first time Maybe for the first time in months, maybe even years, Naomi sees and recognizes firsthand that God, and this is her words, not mine, never stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. In other words, no matter what she felt like, right? No matter what she could or couldn't see or could or couldn't hear, she realizes now God never stopped. You remember last week, what did I tell you about God? He never stops working. He's always at His work. Again, those aren't my words, those are Jesus' words in the Gospel of John. He said, my Father is always at His work, and I too am working. So no matter what you feel like, no matter what you can't see or what you can't hear, God is working in your life. And God is working for your life. Jesus said, I want you to have life, right? True life, full life, abundant life. It's the enemy who doesn't want you to have it. Oh, the enemy, he wants to steal your life. He wants to kill your life. He wants to destroy your life. John chapter 10. This was kindness. This was generosity that flowed from the fountain of God's love. To Ruth, from Boaz, and the overflow of it was for Naomi. And not only Naomi, what did she say? Not just the living, but who else? Even the dead. She said, even though my husband is gone, and even though my sons are gone, God's kindness, it never stopped working for them either. Hmm. We also see an important truth (laughs) from Sovereign God. We see that God had a plan of redemption all along. Do you see this? He had a plan of redemption all along. It was right there in place for Ruth and in Naomi in this moment, but it was also for all his children throughout all generations. Oh man, the book of Ruth is all about God's redemption for mankind. We can get so bent on focusing on Ruth or Naomi and Boaz and we can miss that, listen, even though this was a great story for Ruth and for Naomi, even though this was a great illustration through the life of Boaz, this is the greatest love story that's ever been told because it's about Jesus. Can I go ahead and tell you what's going to happen? You probably already know. But just in case you're not here next Sunday or next Sunday when I finish this series, do you understand that Ruth is a Gentile? If you weren't here the very first time, the book of Ruth is the only book in the Old Testament that is named after a Gentile. Every other book in the Old Testament is a Jewish name, a Jewish term. Ruth is not. Do you understand that Ruth, she's going to get married to Boaz and do you know they're going, to have a, they're going to have a little baby? And his name is Obed. And Obed's going to have a baby too. And his name is Jesse. And Jesse's going to have a baby. And you know what his name is? David. And do you know who the Savior of the world? Do you know who he comes through? He comes through the lineage of David. So God took a woman. Whom most Jews would have looked at and said, that's a Moabite. Matter of fact, how many times do we see that in Scripture? She was a Moabite. She was a Moabite. She was a Moabite. Makes me think maybe a Jew wrote this. But anyway. Anyway. Thank God it got written. Amen. Do you understand that this was not just about redeeming Ruth? It was not just about re- redeeming Naomi. But thank God he did. It was about your redemption and my redemption. Right? God's been weaving the story before anybody was born. <laughs> this is so good. Naomi recognized that indeed it was the hand of God, sovereign God, that was working. She told Ruth that Boaz was a guardian redeemer, a kinsman redeemer. Mm-mm-mm. I love Dr. Tony Evans, and I'm, I'm going to close. I love Dr. Tony Evans. Dr. Tony Evans says this in his commentary Naomi was right. She was right that God had shown kindness to them, even in their pain and their loss. But he had also stretched his sovereign hand over these circumstances in order to use them for his larger kingdom purposes, something that these women would not be able to understand in their lifetime. Think about that for just a minute. Do you think in this moment, That Ruth was thinking about, oh, I'm going to marry Boaz. We ain't got there yet. (laughs) She ain't thinking about that. Naomi is reminded by the Spirit of God, oh, Boaz. He's one of our relatives. She starts thinking about the law, right? Kinsman redeemer, guardian redeemer, and she starts thinking about it, right? But she's thinking with, right? She's thinking about right here, right now. She ain't got a clue, does she? She ain't got a clue about a grandson named Obed. She ain't got a clue right now about a great grandson named Jesse. She certainly don't have a clue right now about a great great grandson named David. But God does. How many times do you fight with value, self worth? Anybody here struggle with that? Well, it don't matter. If I'm there or not It don't matter if I do or I don't The enemy Of your life Is the one who wants to keep You saying it don't matter Really what he wants you to say is I don't matter Can you imagine if Ruth said that I don't matter Naomi you don't matter We don't matter Can I tell you something? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. In Ruth chapter (laughs) 2, verses 14 through 23, Jesus is coming. And he's coming through the lineage of Naomi who turned away from God even went to a place called Moab where God said, don't go there. Jesus is coming even through a Moabite woman who most Jews would have never given a chance. Never. Jesus is coming. My question to you is this. Have you, have you embraced God's love in your life? Have you exercised that love. I shared with you at the beginning, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. John says, God is love. Let me tell you what it says right before that. 1 John 4, 16, and we know and rely. We know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God lives in them. I'm going to say that verse one more time. You might want to write it down. First John chapter 4, verse 16. If you have a problem loving people, if you have a problem with finding fault in people first, Maybe it's because you don't know the love of God personally. Or maybe it's because you stopped with knowledge of God and you're not relying on. You see that? John says we know and what? Rely on. Do you know what that word rely means? It means we exercise it, right? We use it. We use it when we look at people. We use it when we talk to people. We use it when we reach out to touch people. Right where they are. Hesed, Unfailing. Loyal. Devoted. Hanan. Hanan. Generosity. Mercy. Pity. Compassion. Have you truly embraced God's love in your own life? And are you exercising that love? And I'm going to tell you. If you're looking for love. You know what? I know what weak it is. I mean, I didn't wear this red thing for nothing. Okay? I'm sweating like a dog up here. But it was the closest thing to Valentine's Day that I had. I'm sitting here thinking, Marty was the one that wore a short sleeve shirt today, and I wore a sweater. There's going to be a lot of people this week looking for love. There's going to be a lot of people this week that want to be validated. Validated with love. Chocolate, mm. <laughs> roses, perfume, jewelry, right. a steak. The guys are like, Yeah, <laughs> keep in flowers, baby. <laughs> I don't need no cologne. You get me a steak. There's going to be a lot of people this week looking for love and wanting to be validated for love. Can I tell you the truth of the Bible? God's love for you is found in Jesus. It is found nowhere else and in no one else. God's love for you is not found in a relationship with anybody else but Jesus. If you are blessed to be in a marriage relationship, that is just the overflow of God's love that is found in Jesus. If you are blessed with loving friendship best friend or best friends (laughs) that is the overflow of God's love for you that is found in Jesus quit trying to be validated right quit trying to be validated quit trying to be filled up with love from stuff and people and just embrace Jesus embrace Jesus Know God's love that is Jesus. Rely on God's love that is Jesus and watch what happens to your marriage. Watch what happens to your friendship. Watch what happens to your schools, young people. Watch what happens to your workplaces, employees, employers, and church. Watch what happens in your church when you are so focused on Jesus that you won't care about anything else that anybody else says or does. Even when you go to the one who is in sin, you will go to the one in sin and wrap your arms around them and love them. Right? Not condemn them. I'm so burdened about this, guys. I'm burdened about this because I don't want us just to be another church in another community. I want us to be God's people doing God's work for His kingdom and not our own. That's what I want. Maybe you're just exercising your hands because I didn't ask you to clap. But thank you for it anyway. Let's be who God created us to be and let's do what God created us to do. Right? The greatest command happens to be the greatest command. When that young teacher went to Jesus and said, tell me what's most important, what did Jesus say to him? All the law All of it is summed up in this. Love your God. And then the second is like it. Do what? Love your neighbor. And we had a conversation in the Bible about who is your neighbor, right? Huh? Well, who is my neighbor? Jesus made it very clear whoever's in front of you, whoever's beside you, and whoever's behind you, that's your neighbor. It might be your enemy. It might be the woman caught in sin. And the Pharisees wanted to stone her. What did Jesus say to them? (laughs) Let he who is without sin be the first one to throw. You know what they did? They walked away.